games and may the odds be ever in your favor. You're watching Paideia and I'm your host Cassie Michael. Spoiler warning, this episode may contain spoilers. Thanks for listening. Today is all about chapter four of the Hunger Games. So at at the very end of chapter three, Hamish, the mentor, has vomited. And that's where we start off chapter four, with him trying to get out of his own vomit. Peta and Katniss help him up and lead him to his room, and Peta graciously offers to clean Hamish up and get him to bed. Katniss offers to send a capital attendant, but Peta refuses the help. Um, Katniss goes to bed, and she thinks about home, um, and, um, she knows that she can have nothing to do with Peta, the boy with the bread, and his kindness, because it will make killing him that much harder. And so she throws the cookies from his dad out the window, and they hit a patch of dandelions, which makes her flash back to moments of home with Prim and the beginnings of how she figured out to feed herself and her family. Um, the next day, they're approaching the capital, Katniss, um, Peta, and Hamish eat breakfast. Peta and Katniss have hot chocolate for the first time, and there's orange juice, which they've never had. Um, and they get Hamish to agree to stay sober enough to help them. And he gives one of his most famous lines, something he repeats throughout the series. You want advice? Stay alive. Um, and Hamish begins to, um, mentor them and tell them what to do. His first piece of advice is... Whatever the stylists tell you to do or do to you, let them do it. Um, as the capital rolls into the capital, um, Peta is at the window and he's waving to the throngs of crowds gathered by the train station to witness the tribute trains coming in. Um, so, and that is where we end chapter four with the train pulling into the station at the Capitol. That's all you need to know. I'm excited to um, discuss it and um, read this chapter closely and um, see what meaning we can make. So this chapter is filled with new experiences um, for Katniss and Peeta. The new experiences of hot chocolate and a bunch of different foods at breakfast, as well as the first glimpse of the Capitol. Of course, they've seen pictures and video of the Capitol on TV, but it doesn't do the grandeur and the beauty of the Capitol justice. So, um, this new new experiences are still being had. Um, there are still some small rebellions. Peta not wanting um, the help of the capital, um, you know, 
stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. I really like how Suzanne Collins builds in backstory and character development for Katniss through flashbacks. Not only do we have the plot and what's going on, we get glimpses into Katniss's past and um, learning about her past and what she's been through and her memories, her flashbacks. It really helps us as readers to understand her better and understand the experiences that have led to what she is experiencing now. Um, so, Katniss's kind of thinking is interesting to me. Um, I'm pondering the reason why he insists on taking care of Hamish, and all of a sudden I think it's because he's kind, just as he was kind to give me the the bread. The idea pulls me up short. A kind Peter Malark is far more dangerous to me than an unkind one. Kind people have a way of working their way inside me and rooting there, and I can't let Peter do this. Not where we're going. So I decide from this moment on to have as little as possible to do with the baker's son. Um, so usually I would think you want to surround yourself with kind people. People who enrich your life and, you know, who are just generally pleasant to be around. But I guess, you know, going to the arena, life is so different and you don't want to kill someone who you've bonded with I guess who's kind to you maybe so that decision I think is made out of self-preservation and just preservation of um, her psyche and emotions and knowing the toll it would take on her um, to do what she has to do to stay alive. Um, yeah. We also, though, know from this chapter that Peta's more calculated than he seems. Um, you know, he said, um, he's, uh, waving to the people at the train station. He sees me staring at him, and he shrugs. Who knows, he says. One of them may be rich. I've misjudged him. I think of his af actions since the reaping began. The friendly squeeze of my hand. His father showing up with the cookies and promising to feed Prim. Did Peta put him up to that? Wow, I had that thought. <laughs> um, his tears at the station. Volunteering to wash Hamish but then challenging him this morning when apparently the nice guy approach had failed, and now the waving at the window, already trying to win the crowd. All of the pieces are still fitting together, but I sense he has a plan forming. He hasn't accepted his death. He is already fighting hard to stay alive, which also means 
that kind Peter Malark, the one who gave me the bread, is fighting hard to kill me. I don't know if that's true. I think even now, in this early stage of the books, Peter is formulating a plan to keep Katniss alive. Um, I don't think it's about him. Um, and a lot of what he does in the later books and um, later in this book is done to keep Katniss alive. Maybe now, maybe it starts off as self-preservation, but I don't know. I think he knows Katniss has what it takes to win. He knows Katniss has people counting on her. He doesn't have people counting on him, but he knows he can help her, and he's helped her. Um, you know, he loves her, I think. Um, or maybe that's strategy. Um, I don't know. So, I don't know. It's interesting whether or not think it's interesting to think for me whether or not Peta's actions are motivated by his own self preservation or um preserving Katniss's life. Um and we'll see what we think as we go through the book. Um yeah. Uh so, Hamish's advice, stay alive. Well, how? <laughs> I think. Um, I wonder what the value of advice is. You know, when we seek out advice and when we ask for it, I think it can be really useful. But when it's unsolicited, sometimes... While it might be the right thing to do or might be helpful, we kind of dismiss the advice we're given. Um, also, in general, I think different things work for different people. So, um, I don't know. Is advice useful? Is it productive or is it just something we do because... We want to feel like we've helped people, and we want to feel good about ourselves. Um, I don't know. Um, I do think that Hamish's approach of taking everything one step at a time is a good approach. Um, you know, get through one day at a time. First, we'll get through the parade. Then we'll get through training. Then we'll get through the interviews. And then I'll coach you on what to do when you're in the arena. I think it works. I think it works. Um, yeah. So, when Katniss is on a train and she's going to sleep and, um, 
trying to go to sleep, she thinks of home and of her dad. And um, the backstory is really touching and sweet. And, um, you know, she's named after flowers. And in her flashback, we um, get to see a moment when she finds the Katniss flowers that she's named after. And Prima, of course, is also named after the Primrose flower. Um, Katniss going out into the woods and bringing home game, it brings her mother back to them. Um, so that's really interesting. Prim forgave her mother, but Katniss put up a wall so that she couldn't be hurt again. Um, sometimes I think what we do to protect ourselves can hinder us. We put up walls to protect ourselves. We isolate. We close off. But sometimes what we really need is connection. We're human. We all need connection. Um, so even though we want to put up a wall, we don't want to get hurt again, how can we have an ethic of trust? How can we put ourselves out there? Um, when we've been hurt, how can we try to mend that relationship? Um, and it's interesting to see if Katniss and her mother will do that going forward. Now this part is interesting. Um, Katniss's thoughts on her relationship to her mother. Now I was going to die without that ever being set right. I thought of how I had yelled at her today in the Justice Building. I had told her I loved her too, though, so maybe it would all balance out. Now, I don't remember her saying I love you in Chapter 3. I could be wrong, or that could have taken place like outside of the text, but I don't remember that part of their interaction. Um, so if I like read it wrong, I apologize for saying that that didn't happen in the last episode. Um, yeah, forgiveness is a hard thing to do. Um, you know, Prim forgave her. But I had taken a step back from my mother, put up a wall to protect myself from needing her, and nothing was ever the same between us again. Prim forgave. Um, that puts Prim at risk of being hurt again. Um, you know, forgiveness, you know, can, at the, on the one hand, free you but on the other hand, it can risk you being hurt again. Um, and here, now I was going to die. It seems like Katniss has accepted her death. She thinks she's going into the arena to die. But she also thinks that she's going to have to kill Peta to stay alive to get back to Prim. 
So we see her simultaneously accepting her death and accepting that she's probably not getting out of that arena alive, but also accepting that and trying to protect herself from the thing she's going to have to do to get out of the arena alive. So that's an interesting kind of dichotomy of being realist, but also having some hope. Um, some hope. Yeah. Um, and then Hamish. And so Hamish um, punches Peta and... It's an interesting exchange. Um, Hamish considers this a moment, then punches Peta in the jaw, knocking him from his chair. When he turns back to reach for the spirits, I drive my knife into the table between his hand and the bottle, barely missing his fingers. I brace myself to deflect his hit, but it doesn't come. Instead, he sits back and squints at us. Well, what's this, says Hamish. Did I actually get a pair of fighters this year? Peta rises from the floor and scoops up a handful of ice from under the fruit terrine. He starts to raise it to the red mark on his jaw. No, Hamish says, stopping him. Let the bruise show. The audience will think you've mixed it up with another tribute before you've even made it to the arena. That's against the rules, says Peta. Only if they catch you. That bruise will say you fought. You weren't caught even better, says Hamish. Can you hit anything with that knife besides a table? Um, so, you know, Hamish is conscious of the messages um, that can be sent to the audience. And, you know, he knows what messages will resonate with the audience. Um, you know, he's been a mentor for, let's see, he was in the 50th Hunger Games, the second quarter quell. So this is the 74th Hunger Games. So it's been years since he's been a mentor. And there hasn't been a District 12 victor since him. So I'm sure year after year, getting to know these kids, trying to help them win, and then watching them die has to be hard. And eventually you have to give up. Katniss and Peeta shouldn't have had to prove themselves and prove that they had fight in them to get Hamish to mentor them and want to mentor them. But, you know, I guess I can see from his side how hopeless and, you know, hard it would be to mentor kids and watch them die, that eventually you just give up. And, um, you know, I think Peta and Katniss showing them that they want to live, that they have some fight in them, and then, you know that they have some skills um, gives him some hope. And, you know, he thinks they have a chance and he agrees to be sober enough to help them.
Yeah. Yeah. That's, it kind of makes me think of, like, I don't know. It's interesting. Whose responsibility is it to put in effort, you know, in professional relationships and just relationships in general? Yes, there should be mutual effort, but, you know... Generally, I would say the older people, the wiser people, the bosses, the teachers should put in more effort up front to do what they can. Um, You know, I would never want a student to prove to me um, their worth. I think every student has so much worth and every student can learn. you know, I don't know. It's interesting the social behaviors and the things we expect from one another and how trauma can change that. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's all I have. Oh. Right. One last thing I wanted to discuss was when Katniss offers to send one of the capital people to help um, Pita clean up Hamish, and um, he says, No, I don't want them, says Pita. I nod and head to my own room. I understand how Pita feels. I can't stand the sight of the capital people myself. But making them deal with Hamish might be a small form of revenge. So I'm pondering the reason why he insists on taking care of Hamish. And all of a sudden, I think it's because he's being kind, just as he was kind to give me the bread. So, people who live in the capital, I can see why Katniss and Peta resent them. You know, they're the people who are making them go into arena, into arena and fight to the death. They're the people who are responsible for, um, you know, governing. But in the people on the train, they work for the capital, they live in the capital, but they're not in the government and they're not the ones making decisions. So the revenge by making these people clean up clean up after Hamish is kind of misplaced revenge. Um, or maybe not, because the people in the capital don't do anything to stop what the government the capital the government in the capital does. It kind of goes back to that like responsibility. Um, theme I've talked about before and who is responsible um, you know yeah I don't know it's interesting I don't think like the attendants on the train have much power Um, I think their lives are better than the lives of 
people in the districts. Um, perhaps not. Like, the mayors of districts might have better quality of life than these capital attendants, but they ultimately don't have power. You know, a lot of the capital attendants and servants in the capital, um, just because they live in the capital, um, they've, like, had their tongues removed and lost the ability to speak. Um, so, in a way, they're powerless. Um, and I don't know, like, I think this idea of revenge, um, making someone from the capital do it as a small form of revenge is definitely misplaced revenge. Um, and I can understand the resentment of the people of the capital, but I don't know. Everyone has their own life experience, and everyone experiences hardship. I think that's part of being human and something that can connect us all. Um, and I think that's why we can have empathy. Um, I wonder what the opposite of empathy is. Is the opposite of empathy resentment? Is the opposite of empathy indifference? Malice? I don't know. How would the world change if we had empathy for every person we interacted with? I don't know. Empathy and grace. I think that's what I'm called to from reading this chapter and the last chapter is to have empathy and grace. Um, grace for the people like Hamish who they cope in maybe not the healthiest way but they're coping with tremendous pain and doing the best they can. Um, empathy the capital attendants who really are just as powerless as the people in the districts. They, you know, don't have to worry about having enough food to eat and they have a place to live, but a lot of their freedoms they don't have. Um, and, you know, yeah, grace and empathy. I'm going to try to live out those values and ideas in my life more. So thank you all for listening to this episode of Paideia. I hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. I know I'm certainly enjoying reading The Hunger Games again, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode. Thank you again so much for listening. I really appreciate it and have a good day.